Hello everyone, welcome back to Daf HaShavuah as we study Mesechus Yuvamos today, Daf Nun Tes. I begin with uh, welcoming back Shalom Baum, who's given the year again. It's great to have him back. It's been incredible to hear Rabbi Israeli. And uh, Baruch Hashem, we're going to keep strong as we plug ahead with Mesechus Yuvamos. I happen to be uh, learning on my own. I have a Mesechta that I learned when I, uh, away from the shul. Mesecha Sota, and uh, I'm up to Daf, I think, these days, and it's fascinating uh, just the connections of Mesecha Sota and Mesecha Shivamas. You see how Shas is uh, so connected. It's really given me a deeper appreciation, the learning of Mesecha Shivamas, of Mesecha Sota. I'll just give you an example. Uh, I just came across the Gemara that we learned together couple weeks ago with Rabbi Israeli how a Shomeris Yavam, the woman who's waiting to be a Yavam, if she ends up having relations with her husband to be, not going through the formal uh, process that we've experienced and spelled out in this Masechta, that there's, of course, some deficiency in her Yibum, and there's Naftaminus, whether he had the intent when he had relations with her of uh, consummating uh, Yibum or not. These issues we discussed earlier, but I found it very interesting that the Gemara there, we see Shonen cross-referenced what uh, we learned a couple weeks ago, that she's considered the vase in the house of her father which means even though she's already been married, having relations with her would be as if he had relations in the house of his father-in-law. Now, it doesn't have all the same exact halachas as Ayerson, but just the fact that that reference is used. And there are many other connections. My point over here is not to encourage you to jump to Masech Sota, but how Masech HaSivamas is going to help you understanding in many areas of uh, learning. What I want to do today is, again, as we try to be uh, halacha masa as much as possible in this amazing Masechta, is to look at the Mishnah in the Almana Lekohen Gadol situation. Now, Bizman Azeh, what does that mean, Almana Lekohen Gadol? We have no Kohen Gadol. And therefore, the only restrictions that we're going to have is for a Kohen who's unable to marry. Halachically, there would be a lav associated with marrying, not an almana, there's absolutely no issue for regular Kohen today to marry an almana, but he would not be allowed to marry a Grusha, someone who is divorced. He wouldn't be able to marry a Halala, a woman who we need to do a better definition of a uh, exactly what a Halala is, which we'll do in this year, but somehow from a prohibited relationship with another Kohen, um, or the, the result of a relationship, the child of a relationship, Cohen can marry her. So we have the Grusha, and we have the Halala, and then we have a situation that every rabbi has to address when we convert a woman. We tell the woman, you could have a beautiful life as a Jew. It's incredible that you chose this lifestyle. You didn't have to choose this lifestyle, but you're not allowed to marry a Kohen. Yeah, and a Kohen is prohibited to marrying this person who is not a Bas Yisrael. She is a Bas Yisrael. As we use the term 
as a, as a Jew, Jewess, but the fact that she is a convert, she is not allowed to, unfortunately, but that's the halacha. We have certain halachas that emotionally may be very challenging, especially in the realm of marriage, mamzeris, etc., other types of halachas. What are you supposed to do? That's our surrender to the halachic system. Now, the Almanah Lekoyen Gadol, of course, let me try to explain to you how this is halacha lamasa, not just the regular Kohen situations. Because we've already seen, and the Gemara continues with that on the top of the Yomud, if you have a situation where a Kohen marries an Almanah, and then they come to the Kohen, and they say to him, Baruch Hashem, you know, we experienced the three weeks, and right before Tisha was going to be observed, Mashiach comes, and let's not go through the whole process of uh, when the Kohen Gadol is appointed, but assume there's a Kohen Gadol, and you, Yankel the Kohen, who just uh, weeks ago celebrated before the three weeks the celebration to this wonderful Almana, you are now the Kohen Gadol, and he says, no, I can't be the Kohen Gadol. I'm married to an Almana, so no. It's defined not what's happening now when Mashiach comes, but from the marriage, from the time of the marriage. And since when he married her, he was just a Stam Kohen, then that projects forward and there's absolutely no issue. So you could have a situation in trivia of a Kohen Gadol that is married to an Almana. You just have to look at when the marriage takes place. Okay, so hopefully, that's my tefillah as we're recording this year during the three weeks, that this should be halacha lamasa. Now let's move on to discuss what really is practical today without just being hopefully practical is the situation of the restrictions on a Kohen. And this comes up, I'd say in, in the... Rabbanis and I have to be vague not to disclose anything and names, but this does come up as a Rav. I've mentioned many times in Mesachas Yavamas that before a Rav is Masada Kedush, and this is not supposed to happen at the Chasana, the Rav has to go through a checklist with the couple. And it's an interesting question because. Does a couple have nemanis to state exactly the facts as they are? And some of that may depend on their level of observance. Not that we don't believe people that are not religious, but a person who's not religious, however that's going to be defined, not for now, doesn't necessarily have the status of being a neman. doesn't mean we don't like the person. It's the same thing when it comes to kashras. And this is true whether we're dealing with eight echad namabisur in situations where one person is believed. It's in a situation where you require two adim. A person has to have the status of being a nemon or a woman in a menace in order to allow the Rav to trust them. And therefore, there are other times where a Rav has to do a little bit deeper research. It doesn't mean that a rabbi is restricted to only marrying a religious couple. It's, a rabbi is going to put certain demands. Tires on the shpacha, for example. Make sure you have kosher aid them. 
And we want to embrace people that aren't only observant. But at the same time, the Rav has to make sure that not only the ceremony, but the actual Maisa, Erison, Kiddushin, and Nisuin, which is less problematic because it's generally going to be able to be done halachically, even with less observant uh, people saying brachas, etc. And this is very relevant to this Mishnah. I want to give to you a situation. We're going to draw up a uh, what we call in law school a hypothetical, but it's based on reality. Many situations come up, especially we deal with Baalei Tshuva, we deal with different communities, we deal with converts. There's absolutely no issue, of course, marrying a, a Gioris. It's a beautiful thing. But a Kohen is not allowed to marry a Gioris, not just a Kohen Gadol. I may have mentioned before, someone once asked Rechaim Kenievsky about marrying a Gioris, and he said, what's the possible problem for a non-Kohen? In addition to everything of marriage, you get to fulfill every single day of your lives together. But what you have to keep in mind for this hypothetical, which to me was generated by the Mishnah on our daf, are three prakim. I'm going to use the Rambam and not the Shulchan Aruch, but it's all the way the Shulchan Aruch paskins as well. In Hilchos Isurei Bia, not Ishus, Hilchos Isurei Bia, Prakim Yud Zayin, Yud Ches, and Yud Tes. Yud Zayin spells out some of the general prohibitions that we've been discussing of a regular Kohen who he can't marry. And then you have in Yud Ches the halachas of a Zona, and in Yud Tes the halachas of a Cholo, of a Chalelis. Now on a very basic level, and you can go through these Rambams, actually just the first few halachas in each of these long prakim. When it comes to the zona, a zona is if there's a promiscuous relationship. A zona we refer to sometimes uh, pejoratively a prostitute as a zona, but what we're focusing on over here is a halachic maisiznus. And the halacha here would be that if a Jew, any Kohen Levi Yisrael, has relations with a non Jew, that's a maisiznus. There's a losase that's associated with that. If a Jew, any Jewish male, Kohen Levi Yisrael, has relations with a Gioris, who in this context is called a non-Bas Yisrael, outside of marriage, obviously within marriage, if it's a Levi Yisrael, Baruch Hashem, that's a Maisiznos. What does it mean to be a Cholo or Chalelis, which is important to know? So the classic situation, which does come up, unfortunately, is you have a Kohen married to a Grusha. The child is considered to be a Cholo. It's not treated like a Kohen. It's interesting that the halacha is the woman is a Chalelas. The man does not technically become a chala, which means the Kohen does not technically become a chala. The children will be chalala. And practically, it doesn't really make so much of a difference because once the Kohen has married this woman, he has definitely violated the losase, besides the chala issue of a Kohen marrying a grusha. 
and we're not going to treat him like a Kohen. But it's not technically because he's a Chola. Now, the reason why I spell all this out is to present this hypothetical. And a lot of the Gemara here in Masechus Yuvam is together with Gemaras all over the place, Kiddush and Sota, other Gemaras as well, to give you a sense of how this becomes Halachalamasis. I'm going to give you a case. We'll call it a hypothetical. You have a woman, an Israeli woman. She gets married by the Rabbanut. In Israel, even if you're not observant, marriage is supposed to go through the state. There's no separation of church and state. I apologize for the background noise. And she's married to Israelis. She gets divorced. Just like she came in through the Rabbanut, she goes out through the Rabbanut. And the reason I spell this out is because there's no question that she has a get. Again, somebody comes to a rabbi when the rabbi is doing the searching of the documents and say, are you previously married? Well, we have to look at the nature of that marriage. And then, if the rabbi says, have you been previously divorced? We have to make sure that it was a legitimate get. If somebody has a good marriage, halachic orthodox marriage, but the divorce was not proper, then you're dealing with serious issues of mamzerus. Doesn't mean that the woman can't get, we'll say it nicely, an upgrade or a real get. So she meets a guy who's a Kohen. And we're able to establish that he's a Kohen. There's basically two ways to Pizman Hazeh you could establish Kahuna. You could, if the person has Nemanis, then that establishes Kahuna in its own right. But what happens if the person's a Balchuva? He has Nemanis now, but how about his parents who are not religious? So according to many of the Gedolim, you go to the cemetery and you see if they have the hands on the Matzeva. We've spelled this out before. Or you have Adem that say that the person is a Kohen. We've spelled that out before. Now this couple meets a Grusha and a Kohen, and they get married. But it wasn't a halachic marriage. It was a, they eloped. Maybe there was some rabbi participating, but it doesn't, doesn't fit in. There were no kosher ages, etc. And then the question comes to bound. And you have to understand what now is in front of me. Because the couple now becomes Bali Chuva, and they want me to officiate at a legitimate wedding. Now, Shalom Baum is not allowed to officiate at a wedding of a Kohen of a Grusha. We could try to say she's not a Grusha, but she is. We could try to say that he's not a Kohen, <coughs> but he is. You see, these are the different tricks that people try sometimes to get out of it. But I'm giving you a case where she is a Grusha and he is a Kohen. For them to be together outside the context of marriage sounds like it's terrible. If I would say, let's just keep the status quo. But what happens if I allow them to get married? There's an additional love. Now, it's true that technically she is a chalelas because she's having prohibited relations with a Kohen, but that's already existing before I come around. If I tell them to get... Uh, to break up I could tell them that's what they have to do halachically but I assume they're not going to listen to me and therefore we end up in this unbelievable challenging situation 
my solution as I understand it, and I'll give you some more information when I uh, get an answer from one of my rebellion about this, is I have to keep the status quo. I would tell them it's halakhically problematic to be married, but again, I'm not going to tell them to get divorced. They're not going to listen to me anyway. They wouldn't necessarily need a halakhic divorce anyway. But this is a family that's committed to each other. Now, the children from this relationship, those are halalim. Again, if these people came to me and they were madly in love with each other and they have no previous relationship, I would tell them not to get married. Here's a situation where they're already married. Now, again, I will spell out that they're not allowed to be married to each other, but I understand, and that's where in the back of the head, that they're not exiting. And here you end up with a lot of confusion, especially if someone who's going to officiate against the halacha. I want to mention that I had a chance to take a break during uh, this year to check out uh, my analysis with uh, Godel Batayra, which Baruch Hashem came out uh, correct. But also uh, to point out that when it comes to issues of duchening, be very fascinating, the case that I gave, where generally we would assume that a uh, Kohen, for some reason, if he doesn't duchen, for example, in Avelis, he would leave the shul, but the Mishnah Burra brings down that if you have a Kohen that's definitely married to a Grusha, and therefore he's out of Duchenink, he doesn't even have to leave the shul. That's incredible. It sounds like it's an embarrassment to him, but he's not allowed to Duchen, and he, has, he stays in the shul. He actually shouldn't leave. If a Kohen is living with a Grusha, which is the situation that I was discussing, as I said, I wouldn't officiate at such a wedding. And while according to halacha, they should really separate, but practically that's not likely to happen. It doesn't mean it can happen. Then is an interesting question. Um, I would assume that he, he shouldn't be able to duchen. There is a pre-Megadim that discusses this in uh, detail and deals with it. Uh, maybe we'll get to it another time. I wanted to just conclude with something on the second daf, on the, on the second amud of the daf. You know, the Gemara there has a havamina that Rebbe is making a statement about a Kohen Gadol, <clears throat> Lamasa. And the Gemara reacts to it and says, how is it possible that Rebbe, reviewed a Hanasi, who's the end of the Tanaic period, which is a couple hundred years after the Chorban, how could he be talking about what happened with a Kohen Gadol? So the Gemara says, it's a theoretical question. But obviously, Rebbe was not dealing with a Kohen Gadol. He was only dealing with regular Kahuna, a Kohen who cannot marry a Grusha, not a Kohen Gadol and an Almana. And you look at Rashi, Rashi matches up the history. It's just very important, again, we're recording this during the three weeks, that the historical understanding not only gives us an appreciation of when these Tanayim were living, when the Amarayim, how the Mesoa works, Amarayim can't argue with Tanayim, but when you see a Rebbe, someone as great as a Rebbe, talking about a Kohen Gadol, you kind of have the feeling is that he wished that he had that experience of seeing a Kohen Gadol. 
and it only comes to the maskan of the Gemara, where for historical reasons we have to explain now it's impossible. Okay, great getting back together, and we look forward to continuing with Meshachas Yavamash.